Hebrews 13, verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can put one in your hand. Hebrews 13, verse 15. One verse. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Father, I ask again, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit on this time, on the word. Remove me from the equation, but Lord, may you be heard, and may we hear from you and respond with obedience and surrender in these matters. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. This verse, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Seems simple, but it's not. Would you agree? Seems very simple to do, but it's not. Seems instructive, and it is. It's a very instructive verse, isn't it? Sounds fruitful. You think it would be fruitful if we followed it? If this is the only verse you meditate on for a month and you really lived it out, would it be fruitful? Well, yeah. So how do we do it? How do we live in praise and thanksgiving? How do we live there? You know that term, stay in that lane, right? How do we stay in that lane of praise and thanksgiving? Well, let's break this verse down for just a sec. It says, therefore by him. By who? Whenever there's a therefore, find out why it's therefore, right? Therefore. previous verse says we have no continuing city but we seek the one to come that this is not our home we're actually passing through we're pilgrims and God is saying because this isn't where you live where you're going to live for eternity is a place we're going to worship me for all eternity start practicing now that's what God is saying that your, your real calling is to live eternity with the Lord but by who? by him well, that's Jesus. We need the help of Jesus. It says, therefore, by him, what does the by mean? It's his invitation to us. It's his command to us. But also, can only be done with his help. So Jesus invites us to a life of praise and thanksgiving, but he actually knows we can't do it. Isn't that like the Ten Commandments as well? Keep these. You can't keep, keep these. Right? Continually give thanks, but you actually can't do it. In your flesh, you can't do it. I can't do it. Seems simple. With his help. But it's a command. Are we going to say no to that command? Or are we going to say, yes, Lord, help me. Help me to grow in this. Help me to walk in this. 
Then it says, let us, who is the us? Let us, well, that is us. The us is us. That's really deep teaching right there, you know. The us is us. If you are hearing it, you're part of the us. One of the deepest points you'll hear all year. It's near the end of the year. But really, more specifically than that, it's all who have come to faith in Christ, right? This doesn't really apply to non-believers. This is written to the believers, the whole letter here. So it is specifically to believers. We've come to faith in Christ. We have the gratitude of salvation. That's kind of the starting point, but that's not the ending point. It should be growing from there. Next it says continually. Well, how often is that? How often is continually? There's no days off. You can take days off from work. You can take days off from you know, certain exercise or hobbies. But we're not to take days off of saying thanks, of praising God. Doesn't mean if you've missed that and blown it that you're cursed and you can never come back. It's just simply saying the goal here is to not take any days off of saying thanks. Continually. It would be like saying, how often should I breathe? Should I do that daily? Should I do that hourly? Learning to have a thankfulness that flows from us like breathing. And we see, as we're to be doing this continually, it says, let us offer this next phrase, offer the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. And it goes on to say giving thanks. So you could say praise and thanksgiving are kind of joined together there. You understand that a sacrifice had to be prepared, didn't it? It took some work to prepare a sacrifice. You had to get the animal ready. It's not an easy task. But it takes preparation. Are we prepared to praise God? Are we prepared to give thanks in our life? And as a sacrifice, it's a level of commitment. It may cost us something. It's not based on feeling. I don't feel like doing this, Lord. I don't feel like saying thanks. I don't feel like praising. You ever come in and worship teams go on, you don't really feel like praising? The, the word here is sacrifice of the lips, right? A sacrifice of praise. God says, I didn't ask if you feel this. I asked, do you know this? Do you know that I'm calling you to say thanks, to praise? Have you ever thought and prayed through something, perhaps a dilemma, a challenging situation or circumstances, that you thought to yourself, if there was a viable solution here, Lord, I would take it. And there is. And it applies to every situation. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. No matter what the circumstance, there's a doorway of thanksgiving that brings us into the will of God and his promise of grace that will either transform us or the circumstance. But not always the circumstance, but definitely us. 
If you're taking notes, I've titled this The Doorway of Thanksgiving. Gratitude does not come naturally to us. Most of us, anyway. Maybe a couple of you are the exception. But gratitude does not come naturally to us. Um, I hear parents telling their little ones, now say thank you. You ever seen that? Remember to say thank you. We had just a couple weeks ago, we had about 150 kids in the neighborhood knocking on our door. What did they want? Candy. And I hear parents at the bottom of my stairs saying, remember to say thank you. Remember to say thank you. To the little ones, the teens, their parents were no, and they had long since forgotten this. I want some candy. It's, it's my inalienable right. Why did I only get one Kit Kat? You know, that kind of thing. I'm like, why are you 18 and at my door is my question to you. When I was your age, we didn't go out past 12 or something like that. What, what? That's a whole different topic, but... Now, even gratitude is a learned response. It's generally taught in this way. If you're given a gift, if you're given something of value, something to eat, maybe a drink, some act of kindness, some act of love, pretty much anything that, or anytime someone is trying to bless you, even if they think you like that color shirt and you actually don't, it was still a gift. Christmas is coming. You ever get something, you're like, I don't even like these. And they think you love them, right? But it's still, it's still a gift. And so the learned behavior is you, when people are giving you something of value or something that's a gift or something to bless you, uh, the general guide is to say thank you for those things, right? Acts of goodness that are coming. Our, we say thanks for acts of goodness. Someone buys you a Starbucks. You're supposed to say thanks for that, right? But as you study the scriptures, as you study the saints that went before us, as you study the words of Jesus, as you study life itself, you'll find there's a level of thanks, a level of gratitude that requires a broader sense and a broader understanding of what it means to really give thanks. Because to continually, continually, Hebrews 13, 15, by the word itself, it will include things that are not someone giving us a little gift, won't it? There's lots of days that nobody gave me anything. How about you? There's people that suffer that have never been given anything that they can think of. How would, how would they ever... Learn gratitude if it was based on, well, when I get something, then I should say thank you. When I get a Kit Kat, then I say thank you. But if I don't get anything, then I don't need to say thank you. But continually means continually. It, it's a broader understanding of the heart of thankfulness. It goes well beyond when someone gives us a gift card or someone buys us lunch or someone pays us a compliment. Those are nice things. And people do... Uh, it does help encourage. We should be that way. I, I want to be a person that gives people things, blesses, encourages, gives compliments. Uh, and when I get them, great. If I don't, it shouldn't matter. Because we should have a heart that understands that continually encompasses all of our life. 
What might happen if we learn to praise the Lord in all scenarios and all situations? If we really learn that. When we start to apply thanksgiving throughout our day. When things don't go our way, we're still able to say thanks to the Lord. What happens if we continually walk through that door? If we can trust the scriptures. And can we? Can we trust the scriptures? If we can trust the scriptures, and of course we can. We can trust Jesus, of course we can. Hebrews 13.5 can transform our life. Do you believe that? It can transform form our life. Last night, um, I had an example that I love when I teach on certain things and God shows me, uh, I'm going to give you an object lesson. I go to bed. I've been reading the book. I could not sleep. I was itching. I don't know if it was the heat, but I was itching like crazy and it would not let me go to sleep. And I wanted to get mad about it. And I wanted to get cortisol or I wanted to do this. You know, what, I wanted the lotion, whatever. I, I, my I don't know if it was the heat or what. I could not fall asleep. And so then I start thinking, what am I preaching on tomorrow? Give thanks in all situations. It's just me in the dark room. My wife's asleep, and I'm just thinking, all right, I guess if i got to preach this tomorrow. Lord, let me try this out. You know, so I start, I start praising the Lord. I start thanking him. I start thanking him for that I couldn't sleep and all this stuff. Somehow I fell asleep. God said, I just want to test and see, do you actually believe this? Now, I get this a lot. It's not just last night. I get it all the time when I'm teaching something. God, that week, something will happen. And say, just, just testing. You wrote it out. You put it all down on paper. I just want to see, do you actually believe this? And I did. I just started thanking the Lord, and I just said, Lord, thank you that I can't sleep. I did. I mean, seriously, even if it doesn't make sense to me, Lord, thank you that I... I know what it's like to have to come into the throne room of grace, to need thanksgiving. Because God doesn't need my thanks. I need to give thanks. You realize that? He's not affected. Like It doesn't impact his day. But he wants to change us. Hannah Whittall Smith said, This way of seeing our Father and everything makes life one long thanksgiving and gives a rest of heart, and more than that, a cheerfulness of spirit that is unspeakable. Don't you want a cheerfulness of spirit? You don't want to be a miserable person. You want a cheerfulness of spirit, and it's learning to say thanks. And after a while, I started thinking, I didn't really care. God's like, you'd be fine. If I want you to, you can go days without sleep. I don't want that. But God is able to take care of that. He said, just say thank you. I want to look at two things just briefly this morning. Uh, the first one is how to enter. How do we enter this doorway of thanksgiving? Scripturally, what, what does God tell us? Gives us some guide points. How do we enter in to continually being thankful? First, if you're taking notes, we have to believe what God has said. This is true of every biblical truth. If we don't believe it, we're not even... You ever seen like a Kentucky Derby or something? You have the fastest horse in the race. But if no one lets the chute open, nothing's happening. There'll be no victory whatsoever, right? 
You know, the best horse, but it has, someone's got to let the shoot out so the horse can go out. If we don't believe, we're never getting out of the shoot. There's no starting point. We have to believe what God has said. What do I mean by that? In 1 Chron- Chronicles 16, 34, uh, listen to this verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Five minutes? Ten seconds? Two things there are very important. Now, the one is to give thanks, but there's two reasons to give thanks. One, because God is good, and two, because God is merciful. Do you believe that? That God is good and God is merciful. Say, well, if God is good and God is merciful, why is this happening in my life? That's a different question. First, we have to, we, we first have to believe the established truth that God is good and his mercy endures forever. We have to say, I, I can anchor myself to that. Isn't that good to know? You know, there's some things in this world you don't want to anchor to. You want to drop anchor on a little sandbar, the sandbar can move. You want to attach to the rock of Gibraltar, that's a different story, right? You can anchor to this truth that God is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 30, verse 4, it says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Now, here's another reason to give thanks, the name of God. So we have the goodness of God, we have the mercy of God, and we have the name of God. So what God has said of himself is, I want you to give thanks because of who I am, because of how good I am, because of how merciful I am. So we have, to, we have to believe that. We have to believe that if we can't sleep because we're itching, God is still good. Then I start thinking, well, he's merciful. I have arms. Right? I actually have a bed I'm laying in. I actually have heat. It's bothering me, but it's still actually keeping me warm, right? So I can go down the list. I can start to say, well, hold on a second. God actually is good. I'm actually a little ignorant, right? It's not that God isn't good. Merciful, well, you know, this world, he never promised that it would be easy anyway. I've already escaped hell, right? That's mercy. We have to believe what God has said. And so that, that kind of centers us. We say, all right, this verse is true. I can hang on to this. And that's why Psalm 1 says to meditate, right? Meditate. Let it, let it sink in. We have to believe it. Then we have to respond to who God is. Now, we already know that his name is worthy to be prayed. We have to respond to who God is. See, what we believe is what we're going to live out. What we really believe is what we're going to live out. We can say one thing, but what we live out is what we really believe, right? What we really believe. When we come to the place that we believe in the goodness of God and His command to give us thanks, we'll walk in the trust of His goodness in spite of Random thoughts that come. Does anyone else have random thoughts that kind of go against what Scripture says? And I'm not saying it's, it's causing you to go out and sin. I'm saying uh, that they're random thoughts of saying, why me? Why did this happen? I cannot believe it. I have the worst luck. Right? All these kind of things. Those are random thoughts that come in, but they're not from God. They're from us. 
They could be from Satan. They could from the enemy. Just so see. But I'm just saying they're not from the Lord. They're either from our own flesh or they're from the enemy. There's no doubt the enemy sows these thoughts too. He knows how to stir us up. Or emotions. Sometimes, sometimes uh, I live in a house of all women. I don't need to say anything else, right? I'm the only dude in the house. Sometimes emotions have no rational... I, I, I've, now I understand why you cannot listen to emotions. We could have made all kinds of crazy family decisions by now if it was based on emotions. I'm emotional when I'm watching my team and stuff, so I'm just as bad. I'm just saying that emotions and random thoughts, uh, they will keep us from responding to the truth, right? So when God says, you, do you believe it? Yes, I believe it. Now, if you believe it, will you respond? Well, how do I respond? You're going to make that sacrifice of praise, that sacrifice of thought that's saying, it does not matter what I think about this, thus saith the Lord. Amen? Yes. Thus saith the Lord. Will respond. If you're here on Wednesday night, and some of you were, and if you weren't, I, you know, we can share the link uh, if you want to see the message that, that I shared with uh, Pastor Loran. But he was talking about enjoying the presence of God, even when our feelings are not lining up with how we think that worship should feel like. And a lot of times that Feeling won't line up. God, God will purposely not let you have that feeling to see what you really believe, and will you still respond correctly or not? Will you still respond correctly? Joseph, you're, all of your brothers are going to bow down before you. Really? Potiphar's wife just sold me into prison. He could have said, forget you, God. God said, I'm going to see how you respond. Do you believe that those stalks are going to bow down or not? And he wouldn't sin even in the prison. And matter of fact, in the prison, his response was, I'll do the best job, I'll be the best prisoner I can possibly be to honor God. And God's like, now I'm going to make you second in the kingdom. Many of you in this room, God has been waiting a long time to see how you respond. How you respond. You say you believe in me. You won't give me your time. You won't give me your talent. You won't give me your treasure. But you say you believe. The way you show thanks is, are you, are you going to give back what the Lord has asked to give? F.B. Meyer said, be indifferent to emotion. If it's there, be thankful. And, and it, when it is, when we have good emotions, aren't you thankful for good emotions? Like, you feel like praising? He said, if it's there, be thankful. If it's absent, go on doing the will of God, reckoning on him. He's the rock again. Speaking well of him behind his back. And above all, giving no signs of what you are suffering, lest you be a stumbling block to others. Wow. There's some teaching. He's saying not only, not only should you be indifferent to your emotions in the sense that they don't rule you. If they're praiseworthy, enjoy them. If they're complain-worthy, let it light a match to them. And he says, be thankful, and if it's absent, go on and do the will of God, reckoning on him, speaking well of him behind his back, and give no signs that you're suffering lest you be a stumbling block to others. Now, understand, he's not saying you never can confide, hey, pray with me. He's saying you cannot wear suffering as your garments. You wear thanks as your garments. And then when you get in contact with people and you have a relationship, then you can say, hey, pray with me. But your garments should be garments of praise, not garments of woe is me. Because he says, 
if you're talking well of God, reckoning on him, speaking well of him, then you're going to be able to do the will of God. That's the respond here. Third, recall what God has done. Recall what God has done. One of the reasons that David could kill a lion, or he could kill a Goliath, he felt, was he had killed a lion, he killed a bear. And he knew that he wasn't capable of either, but he knew that God was capable of both, and he knew that the Goliath was not a big deal for God either, right? You ever seen how big the universe is? A lion, Goliath, they're, they're not even a speck, right, in all of that. But he could recall what God had already done in the past. Has God done great things for you in the past? Deuteronomy 5.5. 5. This, this is what Moses told the children of Israel. He said, and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Why was Moses telling the children of Israel, remember, you used to be slaves. Remember, you were brought out. Remember, you had been saved out of Egypt, and it was the mighty hand of God. Because he wanted them to remember that God loved them enough to rescue them. And if he rescued them for a purpose, he was not going to abandon them. Did you know that God's not going to abandon you? He's not going to abandon you. Did you know that lots of people will, will potentially abandon you? If your company feels like they need to cut 2,000 people, they won't hesitate to abandon you. But God won't abandon you. Amen? God won't abandon you or me. If God came and found us when we were slaves to sin and we were already condemned to eternity and everything else then after that pales in comparison, doesn't it? He loved us while we were sinners. It's not like he said, there's so much, you know, there, you've got a lot of potential. I should, I should really latch on to you and help. You're, you're someone worth investing in. No, no, we were, we were dead in our trespassing, the scripture said. And so if God saved us from an eternity of judgment and torment, then we should recall, oh, yeah. We have a great salvation. That's why we partake of the Lord's Supper, right? We want to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We recall what God has done in our life. Our flesh fights this truth that salvation really is more important than everything else. Because our flesh tries to kind of, after a while we've been saved a while, it kind of, we, we kind of minimize it. Yeah, 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 that was when I was a new believer. What? We should never lose the enthusiasm that God has saved us. Now, the reality is we do lose the enthusiasm. I'm not, I'm not here to say if you feel like, well, am I the only one? No, we lose it because we get away from the holy presence of God and we forget what he's done. We have to recall what he's given us. We have to recall what he's done. We have to remember. When we start back with salvation, we have to go back and in your prayer time and in my prayer time, we have to say, Lord, I don't care how long you've been saved, you should be saying it hundreds, thousands of times. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for so great a salvation. Thank you for rescuing me. Even though we can't really comprehend it, I can't even really comprehend how much God's done for me, but I know he says to be thankful for it. 
That's why Moses was telling Israel, keep remembering he brought you out of Egypt. What happens when you remember you got out of Egypt? You remember your purpose of why you got out of Egypt. Otherwise, you go back and you start acting like a slave again. Remember our salvation. Remember first and foremost that he's already provided for by far our greatest need. Would you say salvation is by far our greatest need? It is appointed unto man once to what? Die. One out of one people die. God says, if I took care of your greatest need, then all your other needs are in pretty good hands. Amen? Amen. And we can give thanks. We can start to recall the many ways that God has been gracious to us since salvation, since the day we got saved. I can think of a lot of ways. Me and my wife will talk about it. We can say, God did this for us. God did this for us. And what we always try to remember, it all started with salvation. It all started with salvation. By the way, God was doing good things for us before we got saved. Amen? I met my wife before we got saved. We were not married when we got, I mean, we started hanging out together, dating, all this stuff. And then we got saved after being married. So God actually does some good things, many good things, well before salvation. That's when he was reeling us in, right? We were on the line, right? He was bringing us in. We have to recall. It stirs gratitude in us. And number four here, we have to appreciate what God has given. No matter who we are, there are present blessings right now that we're often unaware of. Would you agree with that? There are present blessings that we're currently unaware of. Currently unaware of that there's present blessings that we're experiencing that we're not seeing. We have present blessings of his grace. This morning, you've received grace. Did you know that? You've received grace this morning. You've received mercy this morning. You've received his love this morning. The fact that a Bible verse was read in your presence, do you know that the word of God it will, is, is a forever kind of thing? One verse read among us is greater than you receiving millions of dollars. You say, well, I don't know how that works. Wait till you get to heaven. God will say, my word is invaluable. Not to mention the many temporal blessings we've received. Um, most of us will eat today. Even if you didn't this morning, you'll get to eat because there's food out there, if you can beat the kids. But that's <laughs> a big if. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we have a lot of temporal blessings. I, we, we live in a country that we have fresh water where people around the world can't even relate to that. We have many things, many temporal blessings, but we have to cultivate an appreciation for all of them. I'm more thankful, that the longer I'm saved, I'm more thankful for the spiritual blessings, aren't you? Because you do really realize that the spiritual blessings minister at the spirit level. No matter how good a meal is, it can never minister to me on a spiritual level. Wouldn't you agree? A Thanksgiving meal will not cure someone from depression. A good Christmas gift will not cure someone from depression or anxiety, or suicidal thoughts, or anything. But the Spirit of God, and to meditate on His grace and mercy, now that can change you on the inside, amen? That can do a work that a good present or gift, right? All those temporal things, they might be nice, but if you give someone who is really, really in a bad place, give them a brand new car, it's not going to fix their life, amen? It's not going to fix them. But appreciating the grace and mercy of God, now that can...
that can do work on the inside and does. But we have to appreciate these things. Henry Ironside said, we would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. Isn't that great to know? Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent, dissatisfaction. I would add discouragement and depression. Thanksgiving is the enemy of those things. You want to see those things get just kind of dissolved? The more we grow in Thanksgiving, the more discontent, discouragement, depression, down in the dumps, whatever it is, all of those things. I'm not saying that they dissipate immediately any more than becoming a thankful person happens immediately. But as the one grows, the other fades. Amen? That's how we enter in. What will we find? What will we find? As we commit, and that word's essential. We talk about it a lot around here. The word commit. Salvation starts with the, you hear this term, committing your life to Christ. Right? Salvation starts with commit. But as we commit, this essential word, to walking in thanksgiving. We commit to walking a walk of thanksgiving, which is one part faith and one part gratitude, right? Faith in what God says, hey, this will work. This is the only thing that will work. This is what God says, so I can trust it. But also gratitude of what God has done. So this kind of walking in thanksgiving, one part faith, one part gratitude, uh, what it does... What we'll find is it changes our perspective, changes our perspective of things, which only leads to, guess what, more thankfulness. The more our perspective changes, the more thankful we become. And the more thankfulness that begins to permeate our walk, it transforms us from the inside out, the inside out. It transforms as at a spiritual level. Do you believe that? In Psalm 119.71, we have these words that maybe the first time you read them, or if you've ever read them, but if you've, most of you probably read Psalm 119. But if you've ever read this verse, first time you read it, you're probably thinking, I'm not sure I'm connecting with this. The psalmist says, it is good for me that I've been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Here's what I've come to learn. We can actually become thankful in trials. We really can. Because here's how we can. We can trust God. We can trust him that it's good for us. Lord, this is good for me. You don't have to understand it. Did you? Here's the... You want to take some burdens off? Don't worry about figuring things out. Just accept them as God explains them. You can't can't explain everything to a two-year-old. And to God, we're like a bunch of toddlers. You cannot explain to a two-year-old all the reasons they should not drive the car. They're not going to get it. You just don't let them do it, right? God speaks to us. He says, I'm not going to explain to you all of how this works. Trust me on this. It's good that you've been afflicted. 
but I don't understand. What about this? I could have done this. I could have been more valuable. I could have gone here. I could have done a missed trip by now. I could have been this helpful. I could have been that. I could have been done. I could have done all this stuff. God said, you wouldn't have done those things yet if I didn't allow you to go through this. We can become thankful in trials because God will change the way we think. We start, our thankfulness is on his name and what he's done and who he is. And we don't need the answer. We know he is the answer. Amen? Even the scientific and, med scientific and medical world uh, is seeing what the Lord commanded and promised long ago. You know, in Proverbs 17.22, it says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Isn't that true? You ever feel like when, when you all of a sudden start praising? How many have ever come to church on a Wednesday or Sunday and you felt miserable when you left feeling amazingly different? Am I the only one? Yeah. Because the spirit ministers to your spirit and it actually overrides the psychosomatic symptoms we have. And all of a sudden, God says, you're fine. All of a sudden, you are. Thankfulness and gratitude please the Lord, but they're also life-giving. They please God, which we're created to do, but they're life-giving to us. They're not life-giving to him. They're life-giving to us. Complaining and refusing will destroy us. Destroy the children of Israel. It says that I let me and my wife use this term sometimes about ourselves, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. When I'm acting like a moron, it's a carcass that I'm dealing with. When I'm acting like the Lord, it's the body, right? Complaining and refusing will destroy us, and yet hearts of gratitude will lift us up exponentially more if the Spirit of God is in us. It even works for unsaved people, but it works exponentially for those that actually have the Holy Spirit living in them. I'm reading from Harvard Medical School's uh, medical journal, and this is what they write. Two psychologists, Dr. Robert A. Emmons of the University of California, Davis, uh, and Dr. Michael E. McCullough of the University of Miami, a little shout out there, have done much of the research on gratitude. In one study... They asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on a particular topic. One group wrote about things they were grateful for and that occurred during the week. A second group wrote daily about irritations and things that displeased them. And the third wrote about events that had affected them with no emphasis being either positive or negative. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude, were more optimistic. They felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also began to exercise more. They had fewer visits to the physicians than those who focused on the sources of their aggravation. Another leading research in this field, Dr. Martin E.P. Uh, e. Siegelman, a psych, uh, psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania, tested the impact of various positive psychology interventions on 411 people each compared with a control assignment of writing about early memories. When their week's assignment was to write and personally deliver a letter or a note of gratitude to someone who had not been properly thanked, boy, wouldn't that, we, got, we, we all have a few of these to write out, wouldn't we? People, who, they had to finally write someone who had not been properly thanked for their kindness, 
and participants immediately exhibited a huge increase in happiness scores. When they went and said thank you, they got happier. Something they should have done before. This impact was greater than any other form of intervention in them, medical or psychiatric. Amazing, huh? And understand that even though the medical world and science can see some of the very same things that God promises, as I read there in Proverbs, we still deal with daily things that still come against us. Like I said at the beginning, it looks simple, but it's not, right? It looks, if it was simple, we'd be acing it by now. And here's the real reason. We continually have new levels of pressure. We have spiritual warfare. Matter of fact, the more you grow in Christ, the devil will come even more against you. We have new levels of spiritual warfare. We have new seasons in life. We have places, we've, we walk in places we've never walked before. They're foreign to us. So when we think we had all the experience of, well, I know how to do that, and I know how to do that, and I knew to do that, and God says, hell, well, welcome to, how about this path? And you're like, I've never been on this path before. And then all of a sudden, we're overwhelmed, Right? So then we have to go back to the basics of saying, God, will the doorway of thanksgiving work in all these new pressures, new seasons, new attacks, new walks, new places? Yes, 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 yes. It'll still work. It's that master janitor's key that works every door, right? Thanksgiving will still work. You're going to have to re-preach to yourself. Did you know that? You're going to have to re-preach this message to you. You're going to have to re-preach, do I believe these things? Will I respond? Will I recall? Will I appreciate? But the doorway is always there, isn't it? The sacrifice of praise is still there. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's the middle of the night or middle of the day. Lord, remind me because it's simple but not easy. Simple but not easy. Simple and worth it. The other side of the coin is nothing but destruction and misery anyway, right? Why would we go that way? I mentioned on a couple of occasions the Lord put on my heart back in May to start a Thanksgiving journal. So I have, you know, prayer journals, but I have a Thanksgiving journal. And all I do is write thanks to the Lord for things. I don't, I write a few, today I passed the 800 mark of thanks that I've written in there. By the end of the year, I'll have over 1,000 that I just write. And I know I've missed thousands. I just write little things here and there. It could be like, you know, Lord, thank you that Pastor Tito shared at our um, marriage night. Thank you for what Bill shared. Yeah, I just write lots of little things, little things, just thanking the Lord. And it, I, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, train me to constantly give thanks, morning, noon, and night, because learning to be thankful takes intentionality. You have to be intentional about it. Say, Lord, help me. To, that's why, remember you came from Egypt. Remember the prisoners as if in prison with them. Takes intentionality, but God, God's given us the Holy Spirit, which can help us maintain that intentionality. We're not good enough, but he's given us the Spirit to do it. Um, the psalmist wrote things down. The writers of the Bible wrote things down. You and I are wise to start writing some things down. Write it down. Say, Lord, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. Thank you for these things. Thank you for that teaching. Thank you for what I heard on the radio. That's an inspiration to me, Lord. That's a reminder to me. And God will honor. In daily living, 
I don't need to change circumstances, nor do you. Did you know that? You can't change most of them anyway if you tried, right? You can't really change circumstances. But what needs to change for you and for me is our perspective, right? Our perspective needs to change. And continuous gratitude to a holy and loving God, we need to have that change our perspective, change our vision. You know, if you ever, you know, your prescription's off, you go in there, they change it, all of a sudden, wow, that's what that sign says, right? It changes our perspective. The words of Fanny Crosby need to be yours and mine. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. Yeah. Not once a, well, every Thanksgiving, I break out that line of thinking, right? No. All the day long. I want to re- close with a story. It kind of just uh, changes, you see a change in perspective. Uh, it was in Reader's Digest. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, Reader's Digest was a big deal. There'd be like a stack of them at my grandmother's house. And now, most people don't know Reader's Digest. Today's generation don't. But this was in Reader's Digest. It, it was a true story. Uh, a teacher had this happen in her classroom. And it says this. It said, when Mrs. Klein told her first graders to draw a picture of something for which they were thankful, she thought how these little children who lived in a very deteriorating neighborhood actually had very little to be thankful for. She knew that most of the class would probably draw pictures of turkeys or some bountifully laden Thanksgiving table because she believed that they would think that was, it, was it, what was expected of them. What took Mrs. Klein aback was Douglas's picture. <clears throat> Douglas was a forlorn student and likely to be found close in her shadow as they went outside for recess. Douglas's drawing was simply this, a hand. Obviously, but whose hand? The class was captivated by Douglas's image. Uh, some said, I think it must be the hand of God that brings us food, said one student. Uh, a farmer said another, uh, because they grow turkeys. Actually, farmers don't grow turkeys, but remember, these kids, well, they were just trying to come up with something. It looks more like a policeman. They protect us, I think, said Lavinia, who was always so serious. No, that is supposed to be all the hands that help us. But Douglas only drew one hand. Mrs. Klein had almost forgotten uh, Douglas and her pleasure of finding that the class was so responsive to this task. When she had others uh, at work on the project, she went and bent over by the desk where Douglas was sitting and says, whose hand was it? His response, yours. Then Mrs. Klein recalled that she had taken Douglas by the hand from time to time. She often did that with the children but that it had meant so much to Douglas, she was surprised. Perhaps, as she reflected, this was her thanksgiving, that it had changed her perspective, that she realized that when she gave this assignment, both her and this little boy had a level of perspective. He was thankful for something so simple she was thinking about the generalities, but realized that something she was doing was far more impactful than she realized. And I really believe that God is doing a lot of things in our lives that are far more impactful or wants to do in our lives than we realize if we would just change our perspective, right? And he would tune us in to see, no, this really matters. Amen?
This is something to be thankful for. That little boy had the gratitude of her hand just taking his hand. The teacher had some level of thanks because she was asking them to write about, hey, what is it you're thankful for? But her perspective changed. And here is this much older and much more experienced teacher that had no doubt been genuinely thankful for numerous things, gained this perspective on what it really means to be thankful. The unseen things, the non-monetary things. God wants to, us to learn to give thanks for the things that are not a gift, but they are God imparting ways to change us. Amen? I think the teacher got changed more there at that moment than the student. And we as believers, we know we should be thankful, don't we? We know it glorifies God. We know it changes us. We know the verses. We have the very command of God. But until it's here, instead of here, it's of no real use, is it? No real use until it gets down into our heart. And my prayer is that Lord, by his spirit, whatever means he uses to alter our perspective, whether it's a child, whether it's a trial, whether it's a circumstance, whether it's a blessing, whatever he uses to alter our perspective, that we would clearly see that the doorway of thanksgiving, if we're willing to enter it, expectantly, believing, thinking, and praising that God will transform and lift us above, that we'll see it happen. Amen? He'll be faithful. Will we be faithful? Let's close in prayer. Father, we bow before you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us every reason to be thankful, starting with salvation, starting with your grace, starting with your just goodness to us. Lord, we pray that we would not just know these things, but walk in these things. And Lord, that it would transform us from the inside out. Lord, may we, even this coming week, uh, be more conscious of being intentional in our gratitude to you and, Lord, lay aside the complaints and the doubts and even the figuring things out and instead just offer up continually the sacrifice of praise. That doorway, Lord, you always leave open. May we willingly and humbly enter it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.